0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Our guest today was a personal friend of George Verwer. and just a month ago, on the 14th of April, we lost one of the world's most significant Christian evangelists, George Verwer, who founded Operation Mobilization. OM is one of the biggest mission organisations in the world with around 7,000 mission workers in 118 countries. George Verwer was an outstanding Christian leader. Well, our special guest today was his personal friend. And as a teenager, he heard George Verwer, who spoke eight words that became an unforgettable challenge. The words were I invite you to come die and live such was the effect on our special guest today that he went on to form gospel for asia training over a hundred thousand young people in the knowledge of god teaching them to serve millions of asia's poorest people through christ's love in word and deed we're going to talk radical discipleship today with our special guest kp johannan the founder and president of gospel for asia He's an author, speaker and missionary statesman. Officially, KP is known as Metropolitan Bishop for Believers Eastern Church. He's written over 200 books on Christian living and missions. And in India, he is so well respected, many of his followers have a special title for him. We might talk about that in a few moments, but let me make a special welcome to 2020 to KP Johannan.
1: KP. Oh, so good to hear your voice, um, thank you. hi, good to hear your voice. KP, um, you are you today. You're officially called
0: Metropolitan Bishop, and for a lot of our Australian church-going listeners, a uh, little bit different to what we're usually used to. Uh, just a few years back, you decided to change the way that you talked about one another in church life in your Indian context. Give us a little idea about what it is to be Metropolitan Bishop.
1: Well, that title is like precedent, uh but in the Eastern uh, faith of the uh, uh, church, uh, they used to title... Uh, Episcopas and Metropolitan, and uh, we have some 28 uh, bishops, and then uh, first among equals uh, is the uh, president, Metropolitan, we have some uh, uh, 3.5 million believers, part of the church in some 18 countries uh, that are following the Lord, and so you know, a short time, whatever time, um, I'm called to lead the church along with all our uh, bishops, uh, 50 dioceses that have started to uh, India and other countries in Africa right now, we started the work. So basically it is uh, preaching the gospel and helping the poor and needy and uh, establishing a um, uh, congregation uh, that, just like Book of Acts, nothing else. And so the, the title is only in our context. Uh, uh, that's what it means. It's nothing uh, different. And so um, uh, it's just quite simple. I mean, usually I'm known now as Metropolitan Johann. That's quite easy to remember.
0: Yes, and uh, there's symbolism and there's significance in the way your title sounds. And uh, for listeners, uh, to describe your church, I've uh, read it as described as evangelical in nature and outlook, oriental in worship, democratic in function, and orthodox in governance and character. Uh, is that a fair description? Yeah, it is. It's very much. We are you
1: now radically committed to God's Word and um, the history of the church. You know, um, um, we, uh, when worship of the church becomes the reason we people gather just to meet a man and hear his preaching and singing and all these things. But, you know, for 1500 years of the church, there was no pulpit in the middle of the church where today, like we have in a lot of places, people uh, come just to hear preaching. But the, the church always was. People gathered around uh, the Eucharist uh, or the Holy Communion um, where, yes, they read the Word of God and they sang, but the reason for gathering was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, things change so much in the history. And we are, not, we are not against any group or any movement, but we have a greater emphasis on uh, embracing um, the sacramental life, um, not just Sunday, but uh, all the time, living every day, knowing that we are moving toward eternity and uh, live our life as though we are no more here and be Christ's goodness, not just in doctrines, but also in the way we conduct ourselves. And so uh, that is, um, you know, the clear teaching of the scripture in all churches, we, we work with every denomination, every group, and and um, for example, when we send out our missionaries to plant a church, uh, if there is a church in a community of any kind, we don't encourage our people to go there uh, and start something because they all hear about Christ and they are part of some Christ. But you know, for us, um, there's no competition, no disunity, anything like that. Um, but we do have this incredible commitment to know the lord but also to reach out to people that never heard his name you know the three billion people living in our world today that do not know that jesus died on the cross buried and was again and um, we somehow need to get this message to them because He's the only hope for them to find life and forgiveness of sin so and uh, this is uh, what we teach um, and move forward, of course, as you said earlier, you know, meeting George Waverly when I was barely 17, um, you know, that call to follow the Lord and do, live as Jesus lived as much as possible, the way you um, know He lived. Uh, that stirs my heart then and now, and this is the way of life for us.
0: As you say, three billion on the face of the earth who do not know, have not heard uh, this message of Jesus Christ, uh, of salvation uh, by grace. And uh, let me bring you to some of your favorite words. Um, When we talk about radical discipleship, and in my introduction, I said this would be a conversation about radical discipleship and what that looks like another one of your favorite expressions never give up but when you talk about radical discipleship what do you what sort of pressure do you put on people what sort of uh, what sort of vision do you cast uh, how do you expect your followers and uh, those who are uh, responding to your message to behave differently what's radical discipleship for you k p well the first
1: thing i would say you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he walked on earth, he called people to follow him. And you read that in the Gospels. And Jesus never put condemnation, will trip, or force people, threaten people. He did not do any of those things. He simply said, if you choose to follow me, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Love me more than father, mother son, daughter, your own very life and follow me. And what we have done in the uh, church world, we have diluted all those messages. Now, um, even Christian leaders uh, they can write a bunch of books and make millions of dollars and then um, have the franciest house and best of cars and everything in the world and think that um, this is what Christ told about, and when you think about half of the world go to bed every day with empty stomach and naked bodies, having never heard his glorious name, what right do we have to live in this world and for materialism and comfort and ease? but for the love of Christ, because everything in this world is passing away so fast. So we learn to fast and pray and make live our lives simple and spend every moment. I mean, even as a medical doctor, the medical doctor need to say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. My vocation is being a medical doctor. But my call is to witness for the Lord. You know, we have medical colleges and we have schools and um, hospitals, and we tend our medical doctors and nurses. You know, when patients come to you, you you're going to do a surgery, or you're going to consult with that patient, you do the best you can, but also you pray with that patient. And in the end of the prayer, you pray this prayer Lord Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. And I'm telling you, no matter which way you turn, you see a beggar on the street, you you talk to him, but he's giving food and and tell him, you know, I love you and I do this because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a so beggar, I am maybe well to do, we both will die, but there is eternity. And living in the light of eternity every moment of our life and be counted worthy to suffer or do anything for the sake of Christ. But the Christianity, especially in the Western countries, Australia, I think, not different. I've been there enough times. The churches and Christians, and I think the pastors and teachers have taken the Bible and reinterpreted continually so that our life is comfortable here on earth, forgetting so this is only for a short time. You know, Australia, one of my favorite music groups uh, were the seekers. They are not, you know, lost singers, as you know, very famous group. Yeah. And just to think about, you know, how, um, you know, then life comes to an end. Um, Or, you know, bring your hand, you know, a great, uh, unbelievable evangelist, but his life came to an end. My dear friend, my friend, his life came to an end. And, you know, you and I, I'm here in India talking to you, you are there in Australia, but remember, 50 years from now, you are not going to sit in front of the microphone or I stand here in India or somewhere. No. So, we have to live our life in the light of what Jesus Christ said as we read in the Gospels. And he says in First John, we are called to live right now as he lived on earth. If that be the case, what, is, what, what do we do with our time, our resources, our friendship, and why we do what we do? And You know, Sunday becomes an entertainment for people to hear brilliant conversation or explanation about some Balkans, but that is all there is, or music to make us happy. But the call of Christ is to give up all and follow Him. And I cannot say give up all means, you know, your house or car. No, that that God help people to know what they should do. I know people in America who a little bit $5 million house. One bright morning, they'll walk away from it with their family and, and live in a smaller place. And I ask, what on earth happened to you? And they say, well, I just happened to read a little book called True Discipleship by William McDonald, And I realized, my life or not, I'm living for myself. What I need is this, that the world needs to hear the gospel. And I want to spend my resources to take the Bible and God's word to the world. That is following Christ. The cults are doing it. You realize that 60,000 Mormon antiques marching on earth with their missionary scene and the the, the the cultish beliefs. But think about the evangelicals of Protestants. How many parents are praying every single day God, please call one of my children to serve you among people that never heard the gospel? How many parents are crying out to God to send their children among the more unreached and places of opposition and difficulties to preach the gospel? Whatever happened to us? So it is not my gospel. I struggle every single day. I mean, I'm 73 years old, but the struggle is always there to say not to myself for the sake of Christ. You know, now you think about South Sudan, four hundred thousand people are walking away with their life and, and the killing and fight going on and Northeast India. Just last week, sixty of our own churches were burned down to earth by the fundamentalist fanatics. Think about the suffering of people. The question I ask, this coming Sunday when you hear these stories what's happening around the world and the persecution. Will you take half hour to cry unto God for that suffering? Will you pray that these people will hear the gospel? No, we will go on with our own agendas and our own. This is not the gospel of Christ.
0: KP, before we go any further, uh, let me in on some uh, some of your mm-hmm. feelings and your thoughts about those words that George said that changed your life. Uh, I wonder if you can reflect a little for us. I invite you to come, die, and live. For some people, that sounds a bit strange. What does it mean to you?
1: Well, for me, I'm a very young person, along with some 400 young people sitting in this auditorium in Bangalore, where George was a speaker. I never met the man. He, he must have been 30 years old or something at that time. And it was a long message that he spoke. As a matter of fact, on discipleship, and he held up a little book in his hand, titled "True Discipleship" by a man called um, William MacDonald. And then he explained that um, you know the call of Christ to follow Him is not just to find forgiveness of sin and go to heaven. It is Uh, to live a radical life, not in the flesh and not legalism and and, and, and self-efforts, but completely yielded life, my life, now his life. And and at the end of the talk, he said, I'm inviting you, if you will choose to do it, uh, to get up from where you are and come forward, knowing that the Lord Jesus is calling you to give up everything. Your life, and and so the words he used were, "I invite you to come, um, and 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 die, and live." And it was um, uh, quite a strange words to hear, but it was very clear what he was asking. He talked about, as a young person, uh, what it meant to him following the Lord, and and I you know he, he it was it was that night that I said, "Oh my!" I'm from this before, what does this mean? You know, I was scared to death literally when uh, he uh, began to explain about the suffering, the difficulties, and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, where Jesus told, Come and I will send you as sheep among wolves with our difficulties, and um, uh, uh, difficulties and problems are not forced on you, but you embrace it for the sake of others who are in desperate need for the gospel and suffering. And I understood it. It's the Holy Spirit, I think.
0: When we hear those words, I invite you to come, die, and live. Uh, Some of us get concerned about that word, die. In the heart of a statement like that, uh, because you've got a figure of speech, a figurative way, dying to self. And we understand that that was what Jesus calls us to do. Uh, When did it dawn on you that dying to self was one way of interpreting that word die? uh, But you recognized, and was it in that moment when you heard these words, that there were consequences the following Christ that could be persecution, that could be suffering, that could even be dying. How do you reflect on that word?
1: Well, you know, that, that that is what actually is difficult for me to handle because it was not just saying, uh, come, um, you know, um, uh, die, but he explained what that meant. He explained that from God's word. All the disciples that followed Jesus, he told them, you know, you take it to a cross, which is not saying so take the wooden cross, but rather a uh, way of life that you don't make for yourself. You, you choose with love, give up whatever you want, and live such a way that the only thing matters is the Lord Jesus Christ and the people that you died for. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could tell you that night I understood everything, and I became a radical disciple. No, no, no. And I think even today, after all 50 some years, I find myself every day repenting and coming back to Christ because I see the selfishness and self-centeredness and the love for comfort and ease. And I have to choose every day uh, this narrow road. It is not easy. My flesh hates it. i you know, recently when I heard about some massive crisis in um, Rwanda, about thousands of people dying uh, or fled, and where we work, we are missionaries there. And, you know, I said to myself, well, I have a choice uh, to pray um, uh, for that. also I have a choice to spend a day or two in fasting and praying for them. And the moment I thought about fasting, I said, oh, my goodness, my life is so busy um, too much to do. How can I do that? But then it was not, you know, somebody forcing me to do that. And it was such a joy to think I can pray with my body and I can embrace these inconveniences and and before Him. And I'm not the only one doing it. There's so many people praying, and I joined with that commitment. It was not asceticism, or it was not pain, and so. For me, learning that lesson of following Christ close with sacrifice and choices was never a one-day event. I had to grow into that. And then I watched George River's life and several others who follow, walk with the Lord. And as Paul said, Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ. And for me, it was so beautiful to continually watch George um, you know, kept in touch with him regularly, man all over the world, he travels in his own world. Yet I always felt that he really walked the journey. You know, I go nowhere without hiding gospel clutch in my pocket. I no matter where I go, I think somebody next to me, the Lord in there for me to witness to him in the aeroplane or market or wherever. In other words, it's not easy. My first hates it. So, come and, and lay down your life. It is not just, um, you know, uh, simple words. It is uh, uh, the, the choice every day to die to myself and my desires, um, not, not to find spirituality through good works or uh, sacrifices I make, but love of Christ constrains me. I you know, I... You know, in my age now, I can tell you honestly, the only thing I think about, Lord, just like you are how many years I have left, and when I see you, Lord, uh, you know, I, I love to hear from you that I, I did the best I could in following you, and that meant a lot of suffering and difficulties. So people that, you know, listen to us, um, you know, they read the New Testament, the four Gospels, and watch the man, Jesus, how he lived on earth it gives a lot of understanding how we live on earth. And yeah, he is my Lord, He is my God, He is my master, but also the man Jesus, you see in the four gospels. And watch close and see ask the question, Am I walking with him and doing his will? That is the kind of thing, it's very really practical, very really pragmatic. There's, and, uh, there's
0: a practical and, uh, side of all of oh. the things we might hear. KP, uh, let's take a call from one of our listeners. Uh, I've invited listeners to join into our conversation today. Let's hear from Sterling in mm. Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Sterling. Uh,
1: welcome along. Hello. Hello. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I love that saying, "You can have your death and have your life too," and I've used it when witnessing to people. Um, very quickly, in less than thirty seconds, that saying, "You can have your cake and eat it too," no one really knows what it means. You can have a pie and eat it too, right? But if you cut it in half, switch it round, it goes from "You can have your cake and eat it too" to "You can have your," sorry, "You can eat your cake and have it too." Then the meaning comes clearer. To apply this to the gospel, Jesus died a sinless man. He didn't have to die. The law requires that we die as sinners. But if I point to Jesus' death and say, I take his death as my death, then my sins are forgiven. I can then live on in grace. So just like you can eat your cake and have it too, through Jesus, you can have your death and have your life too.
0: (laughs) Sterling, a good insight there. And Do you have a reflection on... Uh, those thoughts at
1: all, KP? Well, you know, people can only walk um, uh, with the light they have. And, you know, um, I have friends of all kinds and, and I don't condemn or criticize anyone. And I think um, if um, the key is not, the focus is not, if I have, you know, half of the cake or um, um, or, you know, what makes my life happy and this and that. My emphasis is, you know, I just want to know the Lord and, and be led by Him in everything I do. And I don't think um, uh, God is in the business of condemning, criticizing and demanding people to do things. No, it is the more you know the Lord, the more um, you do things. And I, I don't think there is a common one thing all everybody must do. I have I know people who live an extremely uh, nice life as far as the world is concerned, yet they walk with the Lord. Then there are poor people who have nothing but needy and unhappy. So it's not oh, your your journey with the Lord uh, is is to do with not knowledge of God but actually experiencing God. And um, um, you know, for me there was a time to spend half hour in prayer was like a tyranny many, many years ago. But as I began to experience his glorious presence, you know, um, it became such a joy and I couldn't do, I didn't want to do anything else but do Him. So, you know, what that dear brother said, you know, we understand the way it is, but, you know, for uh, the, the key question is um, the, the, the way we live our life, with understanding, not near us, and that's that's uh, my response
0: to that. Sterling and Ararat, thank you so much for your call, and uh, we'll take any uh, we'll take some more calls if they come through. Um, come back to George Verwer for a few moments, and this concept of radical discipleship, because it's all very well for someone to utter some words, eight words that change your life. But there's something of the character of the person who says those words. And George Verwer, I know uh, he's described as an authentic, uh, humble, uh, a broken life who showed passion for the lost. Uh, How much importance is there, KP, on the person who's delivering the challenge uh, to become a radical disciple and uh, to humble yourself in those ways?
1: You know, one of the memories I have of George um, is that, you know, we have this um, um, uh, all-night prayer meetings and my my younger days, one time, you know, we had this the prayer meeting starts at so like 7 in the evening and then 6 in the morning and a whole lot of us. And he would share about different countries for the world. And one time he talked about Albania. I never heard about Albania. I didn't know where it was. And um, he started talking about a country in Europe where they proclaimed no Christian in that nation pray for God to, um, you know, do his work, send workers there. And, you know, then you know, he pulled up a map and, and show and talk about it, start crying. And I said, what's wrong with him? You know, his heart was so passionate, as Romans fifteen twenty says, to take the gospel to those that never heard it for him. Those night prayer meetings with everybody, uh, all night long was, uh, one way of engaging in that kind of journey. And many times I went out looking for traps distribution during the daytime, where in Kathmandu or Delhi or, you know, in Indonesia, coming, I mean, we in the morning with book bags filled with, you know, tens of thousands of gospel tracks, and we're distributing that all day long to people and say about Christ and then you know we would go for eating food I mean we could go to expensive nice restaurants No, we look for the cheapest place to go and um, you know get food I don't don't, I'm not saying these things are uh, uh, the thing that make somebody decide but I watch life and the way uh, he acted, and um, sometimes he asked for forgiveness. Some younger brothers like us, me who didn't know what he was asking for forgiveness for. He would say, "You know what? Uh, tell me what I what I said was the truth, but the way I said it uh, in in the, in, the, in the spirit of Christ is different. I, I I was in the flesh. Please forgive me." And those kind of things that shorten that man, you know like Christ walking on earth, and he would, and he would you know, say words like that, asking for Venus, and I had no in the world. And his every uh, journey that I watched, not was a prophet, saved on earth, no, yet as an vessel, he sought to live humble, broken life, and with simplicity, and um, uh, absolute trust in God's word and obedience. And you know, it's hard to explain I can write a whole book about it, uh, which sometimes I intend to do. You know, from the age of barely seventeen uh, till his death, you know, I kept in touch with him and visited him very often as many times as possible. Um, and, um, you know, and you know, there's always this joy. You're watching someone who needs the Lord. I mean, he, he he never talked about money and and house and you know this and that. Nothing. He only talked about, you know, following Christ in his footsteps, and that that's kind of thing that even today, you know, helped me to you know think about what is life all about. What's the purpose of this whole thing? Yeah. It is to live for Him, here on earth.
0: Uh, KP, you and George, as personal friends, uh, you each have been through. Uh, some significant challenges. I know that George was arrested and accused of being a spy after taking Bibles into the USSR and uh, he was deported back to Spain and that experience uh, led to the start of Operation Mobilization. You've gone through your own set of challenges and George was with you in some of those. Uh, You were accused of all sorts of uh, misappropriation of funds and such things, and you've been exonerated by the courts in all of those things. But uh, in the darkest time of your own uh, ministry life, George was there alongside you.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, think about it. Uh, You know, the only thing i own in my life now anywhere in the world is a 1962 Volkswagen bug. But some people start spreading rumors about me saying that, oh, he drives the most expensive European sports car. He's a multi-billionaire. You know, I wrote over 250 books. I never took one penny uh, royalty from any of these materials. And, you know, basically, um, I don't know what they were trying to do, but accusations began to rise up. Um, and I, I you know went through a huge crisis, uh, but this was all orchestrated to destroy the ministry and George Guvaruro was one person who you know asked me often, me hey, what's going on with this uh, what is this?" And George he did very well in my life and because he was with us in India, in many countries in the United States and Canada and Europe and. You know, I was no strangers to him, and one time he flew from England all the way to Texas in the United States, where I was at that time, and spent days with me and and praying and uh, giving me advice. Um, you know, I, I cannot forget a, a man like him, um, who to me is the most important mission leader um, uh, in our world. Uh, I do not know. I mean, I'm glad he said this proper mobilization, without any doubt, the largest, most significant mission movement that God raised up. Um, And he was the leader of that. And and who am I, a small, little man, that he would uh, fly from England uh, just to spend a few days to encourage him? I am just amazed by that. But, you know, the Lord uses suffering, uh, no matter what kind, maybe, uh, to help us to depend on him. And I write about that, by the way, in my book, Never Give Up. And, and anyone who wants to get these books, they can get free just for asking and also Revolution World Missions, which is a uh, book in five million copies in print, uh, by going to org, They can get that free without any obligation. But... You know, and I'll give that I'll give that website in
0: just a few moments again so people can get a hold of uh, those free books uh, that we're going to talk about in just a few moments. Just quickly though because time's running out for our conversation. Uh, your friendship with George Furwe, uh, you credit him with showing mm-hmm. the Indian people that they could be missionaries. Uh, before his arrival on Indian shores, uh, you're saying that, in some sense, uh, Indian missionaries expected the missionaries to come from Europe, uh, but he told Indian yeah, people that they could be missionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a significant uh, foundation, yeah. isn't it? And uh, and even for your own uh, GFA mission. Well,
1: yeah, as a matter of fact, this is the most important thing you are saying I think about George, that is, from day one, George said, You know, the world countries are closing their doors. They are not allowing foreigners to come to their countries. The only answer for world evangelism is people from their own countries um, um, doing evangelism and mission work and going to uh, the cross-culturally and new people should take the challenge. And this actually was the the, the seed that uh, George sowed But later, I realized the answer to Africa and India and China, any of these countries where outsiders cannot come and be there as missionaries like in the past, we must pick up the challenge. And George showed that. And when I was 19 years of age, George told me, you better learn to be a leader and lead other young people for evangelism. We... Uh, Americans and Europeans and Australians, we cannot be here forever. It's you. I mean, he didn't tell that to me alone, but he told all of us in Nepal and other countries, and I'm sure what he said is true, that those kind of words helped me to realize that, you know, God calls all people from everywhere. I'm not saying Australians or Americans or Europeans should not go as missionaries wherever God called them to go, but that heaviest burden was on us for our own people, and that actually was the uh, the, the powerful thought uh, that changed my thinking later. Uh, thinking about world evangelism on my part, starting the organization, uh, you know, GFA World, and you know, I mean, uh, I'm I'm so grateful for the model. I mean, he was an American who spoke in that conference where God pulled my heart caused me to uh, do my life to win, but at the same time, he was also uh, committed to train brothers and sisters from all these nations and let them go and evangelize their world, and that's what GFA world we are doing.
0: Well, KP, it's been an absolute privilege uh, getting your insights today. And for some listeners, we'll have to lean in extra close to the radio just to capture some of those finer points of the things you've been sharing with us. KP Yohannan, the founder and president of Gospel for Asia, GFA, author, speaker, missionary statesman. He's written more than 200 books on Christian living and missions. And uh, there is a special offer there today for listeners to our conversation uh, when you visit the gfa.org website. Uh, There are two books there that they are giving for free today, uh, Revolution in World Missions, and the book that KP referred to a number of times through our conversation called Never Give Up, Revolution in World Missions, and never give up and revolution in world missions. It's had distribution around the world more than a million copies. You might want to get a hold of your own copy of revolution in world missions and never give up when you go to the website GFA.org. GFA stands for Gospel for Asia and KP Johannan. Just wonderful getting your insights. I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with listeners today on 2020.
1: God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from
1: Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.